Good morning. Uh, let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we uh, pray that you would be with us, speak to us, through us. Holy Spirit, we need your, your presence. Uh, God, we need you to show us some stuff today. And uh, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, uh, we're talking about leaving seasons of life. Uh, we are watching um, in the book of Exodus as the Israelite people are leaving Egypt, seeing maybe if there's something that we can glean, something that we can learn from. Uh, we are moving at a rapid pace. I'm honestly quite uncomfortable with the pace that we're moving through because we're skipping so much stuff. So I really encourage you. Uh, to go and read this for yourself. But um, if this is a passage that you're familiar with, maybe today I will show you something uh, that you don't know. If this is a passage you are not familiar with, then uh, maybe today I will show you something you don't know. So either way, uh, I, I need you to understand, nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar when you walk into this place. Uh, you're, you're not born knowing all of this information, and uh, so we have all the scripture up on the screen for you. It, it'll all be there. Uh, we have Bibles outside as you leave today. Uh, those are free to you, so please, please, please take one. It, it's not a burden for us to give you a Bible. It is, it is an absolute joy, so please uh, take a Bible as you go home. So write these, write these scriptures down on your, on your note card and just, uh, uh, man, follow up on this. Uh, we would love for you to uh, to do this. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of information, and I'm going to start reading, but I want you to know what I'm reading when I get there. So, uh, in Genesis, we have uh, Adam in the garden. You know that there is a sin, and boy, the party starts. And God calls out a man named Abraham, and he tells Abraham, through your people, I will make a nation, and they will be a kingdom of priests for me. And you know that nation today as the nation of Israel. And so, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And Israel has 12 sons, and those are the 12 tribes of Israel. Now they get into a famine in the land, and they all become very hungry. They have to take care of their family. And so they need someone to take care of them. They need a place to buy food. They need a place for their, uh, for their herds to graze. Luckily, uh, Israel's uh, 10 of his sons had sold the 11th son, into slavery, luckily, and he became a second in command, just so happens, in Egypt. And he said, yeah, y'all come on, you're forgiven. This was a foreshadowing of Jesus. You're forgiven for what you've done to me. You threw me into a pit and then sold me into slavery, but out of the pit I came and saved my people. And so Joseph did this for his brothers in the same way that Jesus did, because we sent him into a pit, right, into death, put him in a burial tomb, and out of that tomb, he resurrected and saved his people. And so, uh, but then as his uh, brothers come, they bring their families. Uh, <clears throat> eventually, they became so numerous and so prosperous that uh, the Egyptians began to fear them, and so they put the people into slavery. And as the people cry out, God sends Moses, and Moses, Moses is, is an Egyptian word meaning to draw out, which was prophetic because uh, he's going to draw God's people out of the land. Uh, Moses is going to come 
and bring the people out of slavery. Now, he comes in and he says, Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And so he throws his stick down and it becomes a snake. And this is the point where we start losing a lot of you. We're like, all right, all right. Listen, listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Dude, if you're going to have a problem with something, but you can breeze past Genesis 1-1 and now you don't believe a stick can become a snake, you need to go back to Genesis 1-1, okay? So if God can do this, he can manipulate anything within it. And then the Egyptians throw theirs down and, and, and they become a snake. And then God's snake eats their snake and boy, the party starts there. If you've never read this story, it's incredible. And so plague, 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 plague. Pharaoh says, no, I won't let you go. And Moses is like, All right, fine, well, here's what God's going to do next. Fine, here's what God's going to do next. And, and if you'll study them, they're in sections of three. And it's like an over, uh, it, it's a repeating thing. There's three and then the next three, the one of each series, is this, it's, it's really fascinating. And God's like, no, I'm declaring war on the gods of Egypt. It's, it's, it's really fascinating to study uh, the plagues. We're not going to. Uh, but the tenth plague was that the firstborn of everything was going to die. The only way that you would not die is if you took a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, and you kill the lamb, and you take the blood of the lamb and put it over your doorpost, then the destroying angel who's going to come in and kill the firstborn of every family and of every herd is going to pass over you. And so God tells Moses to tell the people I want you to celebrate this every year. This is called the Passover because the destroyer angel passed over the ones who had the blood of the lamb. And so when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold the lamb. What does he mean? This is the sacrificial lamb that you, whose blood you will put on you. This is the receiving of the sacrifice of Jesus as our Passover lamb. And so when we face judgment, judgment will pass over us and we get to go and be in heaven with our Father. How? If you receive the blood of the lamb. Now, this is to be commemorated, but it's not over there yet because Passover is on a day, and still to this day, uh, non-Messianic Jews, in other words, Jews who don't believe that they have found the Messiah, uh, they still celebrate the Passover according to the Old Testament. It's one of the very few things that most all Jews actually do. Even secular, non-believing Jews still celebrate uh, the Passover. Uh, it's, it's probably their, their biggest holiday. And, and this is all where it starts from. But there's a Passover week. A Passover is just a day. Now, here's what happened. After the people uh, woke up in Egypt and there was a firstborn from everyone dead, they wake up and there is wailing, there is crying, and everyone is mad because obviously their firstborn is dead. Now, uh, at this point, Pharaoh says, fine, Moses, y'all go leave. And so they go, and on the way out, they ask for gold, and the Egyptians give them gold, but they're in a hurry. They have to go quickly. 
And so they were baking bread to take on their way because as they leave walking through the desert, they're going to need a snack, right? But there was no time to let the bread rise, so they did not put yeast in the bread. And so the bread did not rise. Now, biblically, we don't use it this way anymore. My wife and I have been arguing about this all week. Uh, if They call it unleavened bread. And we now use leaven as a term. It is a verb. It's something that happens to bread when it rises. But in the Bible, it's used as a noun and a verb. So they would actually talk about adding leaven to the bread. That means yeast. So if I use those interchangeably, uh, forgive me. But uh, they did not put yeast in their bread, so the bread did not rise. And so every year, there's a commemoration of what happened. And we call it the Passover week, but really, it is one day of Passover, and then a week of eating unleavened bread. In fact, in this tradition, in this holiday, according to the Old Testament, if leaven was found in your home, you could be killed because they wanted to commemorate what God had done, and he makes a really big deal out of this yeast in the bread. And it's interesting. It's always been a a weird thing for God to really harp on to me, but I think I understand why now, and I want you to understand. I told you last week to come back this week, because we were going to talk about ways to make Christianity work for you. Now, that sounds very, very, very much like I'm about to ask for a tithe. That's not what's happening. What a, so, someone say whatever works. Uh, okay. Oh, that's the, okay. Good. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes in life you go, man, these people are all fired up about Jesus, and like I'm a Christian, but I'm just I'm not getting that much out of it. In fact, I don't even know if I believe anymore. I'm just not getting out of this what everyone seems to be getting out of this. And I think this lesson on yeast in the bread is going to help immensely. It's been helping me all week. It's actually been a rough week, man. The Lord has been dealing with me, and so you get to deal with what I've been dealing with all week. Ha! Welcome to church. Now, Exodus chapter 13, now that I've caught you up on the story, this is Moses explaining this feast. And so Exodus chapter 13, verse 6, Scripture's on the screen if you don't have it on your phone or in your Bible. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten during those seven days. Nothing leaven may be found among you, nor shall leaven be found anywhere within your borders. And on that day, you were to explain to your son, this is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And so the people had this to celebrate every year as a commemoration. But that's Old Testament. We don't do commemorations anymore. We don't do anything like that anymore, do we? Oh, actually, glad that you asked. Um, There are two things in the New Testament church that we still do that are a a commemoration, uh, a celebration of what God has done that we are still supposed to do. Two things. One, we did last week outside, is baptism. And the other is the Lord's Supper. Now, some of you are going, we've never taken the Lord's Supper in here. That's true because uh, we exist for many of you who have never been to church ever or been to church in a long time. And so uh, we don't assume that everyone in this place is a Christian. Many of you are in here and you're like, I don't even believe in God. I don't know why I'm here, but I got a free donut, so I guess it worked out. Uh, and, And we love you. 
And I say that. We love you. If you walk out of this place and you still don't agree with me, I still love you. And I still hope with every fiber of my being that one day you'll agree uh, and, and that you will serve my God because I think there's so much benefit in it for you, like eternity. So, uh, I got totally distracted. Where were we? Yes, Lord's Supper. Tonight we'll meet and we'll have a Bible study at 6 o'clock. And we will do the Lord's Supper. Every time we meet for life group, every time we meet for uh, um, uh, Bible study, we do the Lord's Supper. And, of course, I, th- I believe that everyone uh, needs to be baptized. That's for a later date. But we still have those things, and they're actually very similar to these. Because when Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper on the week that he died, this is what he was doing. But he told the people, no, you're going to now do something different. The bread that you're going to take is my body, is my teaching. And so we're actually still carrying this on in a New Testament way. That was geeky. Sorry. We're done with that. Here we go. Why make the big deal about putting yeast in bread? To ask that, I have to ask another question. God has done all these miraculous things, and he has forced Pharaoh's hand into letting the people leave Egypt. But now the people have to leave in such a hurry that they don't even get to put yeast in their bread. Why? If God, now, now pay attention, hang with me. If God can make a, turn, turn a stick into a snake, turn the Nile River into blood, frogs, gnats, all of these wild things, then why couldn't he just seize up the Egyptians for a week? You know, they'll, they'll be fine without food and water. They're not moving. Why do we have to be in a hurry to get out? Why did God make it this way? If God's in control so much, why do I have to run away? Church, God's still in control and sometimes you still have to run. Now hang, hang with me. God didn't need the people to be in a hurry when they left. The people needed the people to be in a hurry when they left. We're still not there yet. We're getting somewhere. If the people didn't have to run out of Egypt, I think they would have found a way not to leave Egypt. They had been there their whole lives. They didn't know anything else. And everybody wants to travel the world until it's time to buy tickets. Everybody wants to travel the world until I got to take a week off of work. Everybody wants to go and have a new beginning until it's time to leave where you are. Everybody wants to be out of slavery until they have to leave the only thing they've ever known. And if they don't have to run, listen to me because maybe you're right there in life, then the negotiations begin. If you don't have to run, then negotiations begin. And you've done it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's going to be different this time. Why? Because <laughs> it's this time. It's still Egypt. It's still the same Pharaoh. 
They might make new promises, but they want the same thing, labor for free. Satan wants the same thing. He wants to turn your heart against God. Sin is going to be sin every time it's sin. You guys know this. Sin is going to take you longer. Sin is going to take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And then it's going to renegotiate when you get out of it. And then later it's going to come in and make all these contracts, but it will still keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay, and take you further than you want to go. Every time. And so the people had to run. Why did God, if God is in such control, why did the people run? Because they needed it. And I use they a lot because I don't need it. They needed it. Because I wouldn't do that. I would never negotiate with sin. I would never say, okay, God, I need to get off of social media, but I'll just, I'll get off of three of the 18 social media platforms I'm on. And, right, I've never negotiated. You know what I'm saying? Have you not done this? Have you not negotiated until you're right back in the same spot? And church, it's frustrating. Now listen, when I was in my 20s, uh, for my entire 20s, I was gaining an average about two pounds a week, you know. You know how it goes. And I started a diet every Monday. I ended a diet every Tuesday. And so I hated Monday because I was starving. And so if you say, are you dieting? Yeah. Are you actually trying? Are you actually making sacrifices? Every Monday. I am denying myself calories on Monday. And I'm eating like a boiled egg. It's just like weird and my stomach hurts. I just got gas. It's just, it's not good for anybody. That's my whole lunch on Monday. And for dinner, I smell two sticks of celery. And then Tuesday, I hate life so bad, I'm at the donut shop. And so are you trying? Yes. Are you frustrated? Yes. Is it working? No, I must just have a really low metabolism. That sounded ultra personal for some of y'all. You're like, ha ha. And it was terrible. You know what I told people? You know what I told people? I'm like, listen, my body's just different than yours. I can't lose weight. I've been trying for years. You know what I was? Frustrated. I hated it. Are you dieting? Yeah, I was dieting. But man, I was doing it so poorly. And I knew the principles. I would do it some. But then I would overindulge other times so much so that it was negating what I had done. And every week I'm gaining weight while my heart's desire is to lose weight. And so I'm frustrated and I'm beginning to tell people dieting's a myth. It doesn't work. It's just genetics. You're either born that way or you're not. And I started believing all these things because I was so frustrated with the process. And many of you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about weight at all. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Here's what I care about. I care about your relationship with Jesus. And so you see these people and they're like making these, 
making these P90X infomercials about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh, yeah, I had dreams and visions, and I just walk away. I, I shoot blessing laser beams out of my eyes at people, you know. And they're, they're doing this thing, and you're just like, I'm not getting that, man. I don't know. I, I guess I got to switch versions of the Bible or something. And it's just like that diet, man. There are some principles that we have got to put in. Listen, I was not, not only was I doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday wrong, I was doing Monday wrong because it was unsustainable. That's why I hated it so much Tuesday morning. I was doing the whole thing wrong, but still trying. And, and I'm just saying I understand frustration, and many of you are there spiritually. I didn't get an amen. That's how I know we're on the right track. Okay, the people needed to be in a hurry getting out because if they weren't in a hurry, they would have taken too much with them. If they weren't in a hurry, they would have taken too much with them and they would have never lost weight. They would have been frustrated spiritually. God has shown the world who he is through these plagues that he has put on, but he still knows his people. And he knows that they're going to have to run before they can start making negotiations, before they can start taking stuff with them. And the leaven, the yeast, becomes the symbol of this. They don't have time to rise their bread. And they needed to not have time to let the bread rise. God didn't need that. They needed it. And God in his infinite wisdom knew this. So much so, it's funny, as they flee, and we'll get there later, as they flee, God has Pharaoh chase them. They're like, God, this is not good. And God's speaking to Moses and he's like, don't worry. I'll make Pharaoh even madder and he'll come after you. I don't think you heard my prayer, God. <laughs> we have miscommunicated somewhere. No, God heard it well, and he knew his people, and he knew that they needed, this is so wild, that they needed Pharaoh. Otherwise, they wouldn't leave. They would have never made it to the promised land. They would have traded something great for something good, and we make that deal all the time. Now, I say this over and over in my life, and so do you. If I would have never done, then I wouldn't have. Oh, it was a terrible time in life, but had that not happened, this wouldn't. Second Timothy 2.22. New Testament definitely has a take on this. Flee from youthful passions. What do you say to do from youthful passions? Flee. Run. Run. Oh, but one day I'm going to be so spiritually mature that temptation is no longer tempting. No, listen. Hopefully one day you'll be smart enough to know <laughs> that that was dumb. Temptation doesn't stop being tempting. If anything, we just give into it long enough to get an addiction, at which point it gets worse. 
Temptation will not stop being tempting. Run! (laughs) That doesn't sound too spiritual, does it? But you know. You know. And if you don't understand this yet, then you've not fallen hard enough, and I hope you'll understand it before you fall. You aren't strong enough on your own to overcome temptation. You're like, you don't know how strong I am. I know that because you said that, (laughs) you're definitely not strong enough. And you're either under 10 years old or you hadn't been hit hard enough yet and it's coming. You are not strong enough to overcome temptation on your own. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Church, sometimes when you leave Egypt, you've got to leave in a hurry. You've got to be so fast getting out of there, you don't even have time for the bread to rise. And you're like, I, Pastor, I honestly think that you're working this yeast and the bread thing too hard. No, I'm not. Check out 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven, ooh, there it is, leavens the whole batch of dough? And so as the people are fleeing out of Egypt, they're like, oh, we're going to go and we're going to worship the Lord in the wilderness. But we really enjoyed this one God. So we're going to take that idol with us. But we really enjoyed the way the Egyptians do this. We really like the way the Egyptians do that. So we're going to blend these cultures. And God is like, no, 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 no. You're going you're gonna to mess up here, so I'm going to have you chased. You're going to have to run for your life. And church, I need you to understand, if you are caught in sin while you're here, while you're thinking right, while you're pure, I need you to know this. You need to walk out of this place running for your life. Because Pharaoh, you know, I told you, uh, if you were here before, Egypt represents the Gentile world. Goshen represents uh, the church. Uh, you know who Pharaoh represents? Satan, and he is pursuing you. He wants you back in slavery. He wants that foothold back into your family, back into your workplace, back into your community. He wants space. He wants that old apartment that he was renting up here. He wants it back, and he is chasing you. You've got to run for your life. You are dealing with an enemy that is not natural. You cannot fight this. You are not strong enough. It is foolish to think that. You guys are awesome. Some of you could up here, come up here and headbutt this and just crumble this brick and you're awesome. That has nothing to do with fighting sin. That has nothing to do with it. You've got to run for your life. Because Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he does. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens a whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with old leaven or with the leaven of malice and and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He wants you to flee the old, to flee the passions, flee the desires, and, 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 Present yourself, this, this bread, and bread is always, 
kind of used symbolically as like spiritual nourishment throughout the Bible. There was even bread in the temple. There was bread at the show place. There was bread like in the holy place in the temple. And this was always symbolic of being fed by God, but we're mixing a little leaven into what God is feeding us. And he says a little leaven will ruin the whole batch. You've got to start over. And so we become very spiritually frustrated because we want, and some of you, I really believe this. I I believe that many of you in this place, your heart's desire, the one thing in this world that you want more than anything is to be close to God. But a little bit of leaven in the dough has jacked up the whole batch. And it causes spiritual frustration. And that's what I told you. I've been having quite a week because God is showing me how much leaven we put in this stinking dough. And it begins to spill over into all of these other parts. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about getting closer to God. It's not about what I can't do. It's about I want to run to God. But I've got all of these things. I want to go eat with Jesus. (laughs) But I'm bringing my own snacks. (laughs) And I'm taking stuff with me and it's slowing me down. Is this driving y'all crazy? Because my arms are dying. Y'all see me like, and I, I only did three because I knew it was going to be bad. Y'all see me switching hands all the time up here? This is killing me. This is what your life looks like, though. We want to run. We're like, Jesus, wait up. Man, old gods, old mentalities. Old relationships, old things that I took out of Egypt. And if we take time to leave and let the bread leaven, we start making negotiations. We start packing a little extra. And before you know it, you're wagging around Egypt coming into the promised land. Let the promised land be the promised land. The promised land is good enough. The promised land is better than slavery. You want it away from these things. This is what I want to get away from, and this is the thing that I can't let go of. So these are, these are bad ingredients when I'm trying to be a new dish. The same bad ingredients in a new dish is a new bad dish. This has become part of your identity. This has become part of your identity. Moses left and he went to Midian and there he got a wife and God let him hang out for 40 years before he called him back. But when the people found him there at a well, they said, there's an Egyptian here. Moses was no Egyptian. Moses was a Hebrew, but he still looked like an Egyptian. He dressed like Egyptian. He walked, oh gosh, I was going to say it, aren't I? He walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. And everybody here that's not 30 years old is like, that went over my head. 
Good. Good. You don't have Madonna walking around with you. Okay. So Moses still looked like an Egyptian. He took Egypt with him. God wants the people to leave so fast that they don't even have time for yeast in their bread. He wants you to leave so fast that you don't have time. It's not part of my identity anymore. Listen, I'm not a slut. I'm not a rage monster. I'm not unworthy anymore. That's not part of my identity anymore. I got to leave it, fling, running. The people didn't leave without bread, they left without yeast. That's the part you got to get. They're well taken care of, they still have the bread. They still have the same nourishment. They just didn't have the yeast. Just because you ain't got a loaf of bread down in Mexico don't mean that tortillas won't be just fine. First Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. And so we have these temptations. They're a thing. They're a temptation. God will provide a way out so that you can pursue him. God wants you to be with him as much more than you want to be with him, and he will help you overcome those obstacles, those hurdles. But I'm going to tell you some of the things that you think are a hindrance are not a hindrance. Some of the things that are chasing you are not a hindrance. Those are the things getting you closer to God. Pharaoh was stirred up by God for the sake of God's people. Weird, I know. Matthew 16, 5. It's not just the things that we take out of Egypt. Follow me. Matthew 16, 5. The disciples reached the other shore, and when they had forgotten to take bread, then Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees were super highly religious Jewish people. They were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? He's like, I'm, not, I'm talking about leaven. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about these bricks. It's not about the bread. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the 7,000 and 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand when I told you, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread. He's like, I'm not worried about whether or not you're going to eat. I'm worried about what kind of crap you're bringing with you. Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven and bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so, yes, I leave stuff, but the problem is, along the way, sometimes I pick some stuff up. Sometimes I get it from religious people. And now, I'm like, thank God. I'm not in Egypt bound by all that weight anymore. She's picked up a whole different set of problems. Legalism. It's just, these are super religious bricks. Still bricks. I still don't want to hold them for the next 30 minutes. 
I still don't want to be weighed down by it. God didn't want you to bring the stuff out of Egypt. God didn't want you to pick anything else up along the way either. In fact, this is, this is, what, he, this is what he says. And I don't even know where I am on the notes, but this is the part I want to read. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My forearms are filling that rest right now. Take my yoke upon, uh, take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you're like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, gotta, I gotta leave Egypt, I gotta leave sin, I gotta leave the world, and I gotta go to Jesus. But, but then if it becomes more bogged down to follow God than it ever was in Egypt, you're doing it wrong. Because Jesus came to liberate us, not to enslave us. He said, it is for freedom that I have set you free. Now, I make myself a slave to Jesus. God, whatever you want, I am yours. I have died to myself. Baptism, again, I've died to myself. I come back as you. Whatever you want, I want to do. But it leads me into freedom. It is for his glory, but it is also for my good. See, Pharaoh never wanted what was for my good. Satan never wants what is for your good. Jesus gives me rules and regulations and all these things that I'm supposed to follow by, and he deeply cares about our sexuality and all these things, and we're like, wow, it's getting ultra-personal, Jesus. Why? Because all of those things are one of these. And he's trying to keep you away from it. And so as I follow the commands of my Lord, and I stop picking up more weight, I am able to pursue God, and now all of a sudden, I can live this life where I'm getting closer to God every day. Why? Because I'm not weighed down. This was the whole point in celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread every year. This is what he was after. The great commandment is hard enough. Stop adding stuff to that. Listen, this is like, this actually is biblical. I don't have the scripture here for you, but... um, I avoid a lot of super religious conversations. It it tires me. I love talking about God. I love talking about the Bible. I love having Bible studies. Methods and all the it just a, a lot of these a lot of these conversations and conversations where you get into like somebody judging who's going to hell and not like golly that is that is so straining that is so straining. Listen to what the, God told us. He said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." Love the Lord, love your neighbor. If those are at the forefront of what we do, the rest of it is pretty well going to take care of itself. He said all the laws and prophets hinge on these things. Now, I'm not getting away from the word. I love the word. I just don't want to sit around and debate with somebody whose mind I'm not going to change. Man, and just as, as the church as a whole, if we, would, if we would work as hard at loving people as we would changing another church's beliefs, be a lot more people in heaven. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want the weight from Egypt and I don't want the weight from the Pharisees and Sadducees either. 
He told us all along, beware of the yeast that you took out of Egypt. And then Jesus says, beware of the yeast that's here. I don't want to take any of it. I want to be free. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say there's no yoke and there's no burden. Okay? It's hard enough. I have the weight of my responsibility on my shoulders at all times, and that's hard enough. I am to go into the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? I am to go. I am to be a witness. I am to be a light. The weight of the world is not on my shoulders. But my responsibility in doing what God calls me to do every day is on my shoulders, and that is enough for me. There is a yoke. There is a burden. But it's not the weight of the world. Last scripture. I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. For we know that your old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I've given myself to Jesus. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are in a, you are in a, a battle of adjectives with God. And God said... If you've died to yourself and you've been raised with me, you're with me, I'm righteous, therefore you are righteous. And you say, God, you must not have been looking at my phone Monday. God, you obviously didn't follow me in school. You obviously weren't at work. You apparently didn't see what happened in traffic. Because I am not righteous. And I understand. And that is a very complicated matter. However, if you are arguing with God about who you are, you are wrong. If you are arguing with God about who you are, you are wrong. And you need to start living like who he tells you you are. And it's easier when I'm not hauling around a bunch of bricks, a bunch of leaven, a bunch of sin, a bunch of old customs, a bunch of old relationships, a bunch of old gods, a bunch of old idols. It's easier when I'm not weighed down. That's what I'm trying to say. Your debts are paid. Some of you I need you to hear this. Some of you carry this because you think you deserve to have to. Some of you carry this because you think you're not worthy to drop it. I've caused people so much harm with this that I don't deserve to get to not walk with it. If you're arguing with God, you're wrong. If our faith had anything to do with what we deserve, 
Let's dismiss and go home. Enjoy your time. You're going to hell. If it has anything to do with what we deserve, we ain't going to make it. The point is it's not what we deserve. Stop carrying this because you deserve to have to carry it. God says no. You're not that anymore. You're not this person anymore. Pastor, you don't understand. I've tried to drop that. I've tried to drop that brick my whole life. <laughs> oh, you're right. I don't understand. I'm just a preacher. What do I know? That sin's not even tempting to me. Glad you filled me in on that. I wouldn't know what it was like. I know. Did you know what you know now that you didn't used to know? That you're not strong enough to drop this brick. That's why a church exists. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to plug a ministry or anything like that. I'm just, just as a principle. A lot of people come into our addiction class on Tuesday are doing far better than the rest of us not going to class who don't have an addiction. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they got to a point where they said, I can't do it. And they go and the church holds them accountable. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to do this yourself, you don't understand. God said, I will make you a kingdom of priests. We're supposed to be there for each other. We're supposed to be there with each other. I'm just one dude. I can't do that for everybody, but somebody will. Somebody will walk with you. Maybe somebody with their own set of stuff is going to walk with you. But number one, Jesus will be with you. And he says, I am faithful and just. If you confess your sins, I will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Church, you're walking around with this and you pretend like nobody knows, not even God. He knows. You are naked before God. You are exposed before God. He knows exactly what you have, what you did, what you've done. And that, man, I was, I was meditating on this as, as we were singing this song earlier. And the angels cry, holy. They're looking at a God who sees everything that you've ever done being the only one to be able to stand in perfect judgment over you and still he won't. That's holy. That's mercy. That's the God that we serve and that's what allows you to say, I'm going to put it down. If he can forgive me, I'll forgive me. Church, I need you to, right now, look at me. I need you to say, I forgive me. That's crap. I need you to say, I forgive me. You're still walking around with this stuff and God says, I need you to drop that in Egypt and I'm going to chase you out so that you can't put leaven in your bread anymore. I'm going to chase you out so you won't carry this junk. Stop making negotiations. Stop trying to stay in Egypt. I've freed you 17 times from Egypt and you keep paying rent. He wants you free. How do I do it? You're here. It's a good start. I want you to start praying. I want you to start reading. I want you to go to church, and I want you to be the church. If you've got something that's got a hold of you, if you've got something that's got a, uh, got, it, it's got a thing on you, man, it's got a thing on you, I want our prayer team to go ahead and stand up and come to the front. 
some of you, your worst fear is like, I have to confess. Confession does not mean that you come up here on stage and tell everyone all your stuff, okay? That means you come down here and you pray and you say, listen, this has a hold on me and I can't get rid of it. I need prayer. This is where confession begins. Well, you just want me to, (laughs) bro, bro, I'm trying to liberate you. (laughs) I'm trying to liberate you. Like, that's a weird statement. God wants to liberate you. And I'm your cheerleader. These are, these are my pom-poms. You can do it. God wants to liberate you. He wants to free you from those things. And I think today is just a fantastic day to do it. Your debt's paid. Your debt's paid. Bell has been posted. The door is open. Walk out of the freaking jail. It's been paid. In full. Didn't even go through a bondsman. Just went up and paid the full 100%. God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that you will move in this place. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will free us. God, I know that you want this city for yourself. You told us so, God. You want this city. And you're going to use us to do it. Seems like a crazy plan to me, God. But you've never failed us yet. And God, you have ministers. You have warriors in this place. God, I want them to be able to drop those bricks. I want them to be able to get out of Egypt so that they can go into the promised land and be a priest for you. Guard the temple. Work in the temple. Worship in the temple for you, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you will free us from these things. I pray for courage to confess, Lord. I pray for courage to get over these things, to drop these things, and to run hard after you. And we ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, people are here to pray for you uh, when service is over, even now, if you would like. Okay? Uh, but, but we are here to pray for you, to pray with you. Uh, the worship team is going to play one more song. Baskets are going to come forward. You're like, you don't understand my social anxiety. Dude, that's okay. Wait till service is over. They're still going to hang out here. Everybody's turned around, headed that way. Now this is the back. Come to the back, okay? We want you to pray with them. You're like, you don't understand. I'm burning a roast in the oven. Let it burn. Okay, fine. If you just can't go, write on that connection card. We'll call you this week. But we want to meet with you. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, if the Holy Spirit is working on you, don't let it pass. Stand and worship with us.